Aloha! Hey gang, this is Indar and I'm your Hawaii money guy. And today we got a fun topic. We're gonna talk about the basics of flipping a house. I'm gonna dive into and simplify as much as I can of how to flip a house. And it's gonna be super excited and let's dive on in and talk about what it takes to flip a house. So let's get started guys and flip some houses. Let's go. Just before we get started, I'd love it if you guys could subscribe below and that way we can reach more people and just help people make their money work for them in any different way we can. Thank you guys and let's get started in today's content. So let's dive on in today. Let me give you a little backstory of myself and how I all started and then I'll jump into the whole process of flipping a house. Because I didn't even know I wanted to be a house flipper myself. I just knew I wanted to do real estate. I have an electrical engineering degree, a business degree, and I was working construction for my dad's company at the time after my engineering degree. And I started surrounding myself around successful people and started seeing uh, what some of these successful people either did to get to where they're at, either they did real estate to get there, or they were very successful and they had real estate as part of their portfolio in life. And in doing so, I kind of, realized that oh I need to do real estate real estate needs to be a part of my life somehow in some way and then I looked at you know of course being an agent which is what we all know we associate real estate and being an agent and to me an agent I didn't want to go down that path I felt like that was more of a service industry still and I was going to make three percent or whatever percent I wanted to be the guy making that 97 percent I always wanted to be the guy holding and owning the property. It's just me, that's what I wanted. If you wanna be an agent, do it, it's great. You can make a lot of money, of course, do it. Um, but I want to be that guy making the 97% on that property. And so my journey kind of began with that, was I knew I needed to own real estate. I knew I needed to buy some real estate. Uh, and doing so, I went and figured, I talked to a bank and I got a loan. And I think that was the best place to get started was I was working for my dad's company. I was actually cleaning toilets. I was uh, being a janitor. We were doing construction cleanup. We clean carpets and all this kind of stuff. My dad has a maintenance and janitorial company that I was trying to help run and grow and build. And um, I had to do everything. I had to start from the bottom with my dad's company. and. Um, it taught me a lot of basics, it taught me a lot of humility, it taught me a lot of humbleness. Uh, I remember, this little side note, we were had a, a Mustang and we put the big bonnet cleaner in the back of our trunk and fit it in there and uh, you know, I was just working with my dad at the time, I think we had only a few other employees. And we would just get it done, whatever it took. And I've, I'm, I've scrubbed many toilets, so definitely have a lot of humility in my under my belt and I'm not ashamed still to this day. I'm very detailed oriented and cleaning, but let's not talk about that stuff. Let's talk about the beginning of house flipping. So with that job, I went and got a loan. I knew I needed to buy a house. I knew I needed to own something. And that's what I did. I went down to um, a local bank and I also had a uh, realtor friend of mine who kind of told me where to go, basically told me to go to the bank. Um, shout out to Heather. She um, told me to go down the bank and talk to a bank. And that bank guy was just extremely helpful. 
you know, it's good to find a good banker guy and he just broke it down. Hey, get me your tax returns, um, you know, get me your pay stubs. That's about all you need is your tax returns and pay stubs and get me, um, you know, fill out this application and let's see what the bank will qualify you for. At the time, um, you know, I didn't have much, but he got me qualified for a $240,000 uh, property, which in Hawaii is small. It's probably the size of this room. I think it was just uh, 500 something square feet, maybe almost 600 square feet. So it's tiny, tiny little place. Um, and they qualified me for that. And at the time, FHA is a great loan. You only need three and a half percent down to buy a property. But they had another first time home buyer kind of assistance program that allowed me to do 1% down to buy a property. So I had to literally save up uh, three grand plus some closing costs. I had five grand I had to save up to buy a property. You know, I saved up five grand and I bought something. And there's a funny saying about real estate is in the long term things, you always look smart no matter what when you buy real estate because in long term, real estate just it goes up in value, especially here in Hawaii. Um, and yeah, that's what it did. It went up value. I did buy a somewhat of a deal. It was a decent deal. It was you know, below market at the time, not, not below market what I buy now, but it was a little bit of a discount. And uh, we lived in it and I painted it myself and my kitchen, my two by three kitchen, I put some peel and stick tile and did backsplash and, you know, I didn't, I lived it, I owned it. I was 25 years old and I did it myself and I watched videos and, and I took pride in where I lived. and. When you own something, you know, the coolest part of it all is now that rent that I used to be paying, I was paying my own mortgage. I was paying down what I owed on a property. I was putting money back in my pocket, basically, and I wasn't paying somebody else's mortgage off. I was paying down my own mortgage, which is, you know, extremely better. You know, obviously, you're paying down your loan, paying down your principal as well. But it just felt good to be putting money back into my process, pocket. And um, that buying process was where it all started for me. I got familiar with an escrow company with an inspection period. Um, inspection period is, gives you a two-week inspection to buy the property. Uh, so let's back it up first. So we, we found the property we wanted. We had the agent put an offer in. The agent, uh, they accepted that offer. Then we had a J1 inspection period, a due diligence period of two weeks. And then that due diligence period is when you decide if you want to ask for credit, if there's any damages, if there's any repairs needed. Um, there was some repairs needed and we asked for a credit to get those repairs uh, fixed. It was, I don't remember, maybe five grand, I don't know. Um, we asked for credit, got some repairs that was needed, Some you know, water, water seeped in on the corner somewhere um, and got those repairs. Then we had a, um, a few other steps where you have to make sure the loan gets approved. You have a loan approval. Um, you have a final inspection at the end. You either got to do termites. You got to do a termite check for any termites or little, um, you know, termite creepy collars. And then you also have to do um, a survey if that property needs a survey. Those are your major kind of steps to get through inspection and in a final inspection you got to make sure it's the same as it was from day one when you were buying it so you do a final inspection make sure it's cleaned out and then you sign and you close 
um, at the end of that closing, you bring all your money in and uh, you close and you buy the property and they give you a deed and you go, you own a property <laughs> and you get those keys. And um, very exciting when you own your first property. Um, it's still today I enjoy every time I buy property because um, it's, it's a, it's a feel like you own something personally that's yours. And then you, you know, you do what you wish to that property. Either you can, you know, you could live in it, of course, um, but you could rent it out. You know, you could, uh, a trick to do if you have a VA loan, you go take your VA loan, you buy something with your VA loan, um, you rent it out and you refinance it and you do it again and you do it again and you do it again. Um, real estate in general is not an overnight sensation. This is a life plan. This is a 30 year projection of life. So we don't keep that. We, it's not a get rich quick kind of industry scheme thing. It, you can, yes, you can do some things to do that. But generally, you're doing this for a lifelong process. Um, so that's the kind of the process of buying a house, which is extremely important to break down because it is probably one of the hardest processes. Um, so from there, once I own that property, uh, at that time, about two years, we're about selling it now at this point, uh, my wife brought me to one of those seminars, one of those education, and I was kicking and screaming, you know, I don't need to go through this, you know, I don't want to spend money, I don't want to sign up for those education programs. Um, at the time, this is 2013, um, you, no, this is 2014, you didn't want, we didn't want to, um, uh, we didn't want to, you know, spend money on that foolish thing. It wasn't like a popular thing. I think education is very popular today. You know, I think everyone realizes how important it is. But back then, it wasn't really a, a bigger thing. And uh, and it wasn't for me, I thought. And I went through the events, and they said, hey, come to our next event. And I went to that next event. And then they had a whole three-day weekend event. And, um, and they helped me max out my credit cards and I paid 35 grand. <laughs> so it was the best money for me ever spent. There was a lot of people who came into that event with me and did sign up and they didn't take advantage of it and use it. And it's not the event's fault, it's just the people's fault. It's the people, not even their fault, it's their, um, it's the life, your life. Yeah. It's hard to go from one thing to the next in life. It's hard to stop where you're at in life and and jump to something else, as you guys are probably feeling that right now if you want to do this flipping thing. Um, it's hard to um, get out of your comfort zone into another comfort zone, which becomes very uncomfortable very fast. Um, and that, But that's, to me, what success is. Success is pushing our comfort zones from one level to the next you know I get comfortable flipping one or two houses uh, and that wasn't enough so I got comfortable flipping four or five houses and, and so forth and now we're comfortable at we have 17 in Hawaii another seven in the mainland going so we're comfortable now in that comfort zone and now we're pushing that comfort zone into big multifamilies uh, big portfolios um, uh, we're buying a retail strip mall right now so we're pushing our comfort zones into the next thing. And some people are fine with just staying at whatever level of comfort they are, which is great. 
um, and, and they should keep doing that. It's just to each his own, you know, person. And um, that's what I think it takes is the comfort zone and, of course, taking action, of course. It's the biggest difference of it all. And that's what I'm talking to you guys about right now is the action steps. I can line out exactly step by step on how to flip a house. But if you don't take the action, it kind of doesn't matter. You know, it's just blah, blah, blah in your ear, you know. You know, if you don't take that action, and I want to tell you another one of my my uh, secrets that I do so well is I do action right away. So the second I have something to do or need to get done, I just do it. I don't think about it. I just don't think do. And it gets done. And then tomorrow, as something else needs to be done, it, it didn't build up. And it allows me to do more. So you'll see me sometimes, I'd be in a conversation and I have to send out a, a, a file. And I'll just email and get it done and keep moving forward. Because often, you know, new things come up if I let that build up, especially where we're at today with the amount of what we do. But it's been my kind of my secret trick to things is when you hear a great action item, when you hear a great thing to do or a step to do or something to do, is to take that action right away because you'll forget about it later. But back to the process of flipping a house. So I just gave you guys the steps to buying a house with escrow and so forth, working with a bank. Um, but how do you find a deal? That's one of the hardest parts of it all is how to find a deal. And a lot of gurus, a lot of people won't talk about that or they won't dive into that or they won't talk about how hard it is. But definitely is one of the hardest parts of this industry is finding a good deal if you want to be a flipper. Um, you have to find a really deep down and deep discounted deal because we are adding a lot of value into that. We are you know, putting in our projects, we put 100, 200 grand into that project. You know, we got to sell it and pay agents. You know, we got to pay all our lenders and investors on that deal. Um, so there's a lot of extra cost in there, uh, holding costs and so forth that you incur that you need a deep discounted so you can just make something out of deal. Obviously, we don't do this for free. We're not trying to uh, break even. You know, this is not a, uh, this is a business, this is a job. So you do want to make money. So you want to have enough profit in a deal to, to make a deal work. So how do you find a deal? Uh, there's tons of ways. There is some of the easiest, and no, let's start, start with the no cost ways. Um, you can get onto Craigslist, and this is what we did. We got onto Craigslist. We found, uh, we were just calling those sellers out there, emailing them, calling them, and uh, they're listing their properties on there and see if you know they want to sell it. And we found a piece of land, actually, it was one of my first deals um, on Craigslist. He wanted to sell it for 25000 or he wanted to sell it for more, but I, I think I got it at $25,000. Um, and we got it into contract. We put a purchase agreement. This was off the market, so we gave him a purchase and sale agreement and locked it up. And then we took that contract and we um, then listed the land again for sale on Craigslist and sold it. We made we made it nicer, we made better pictures and so forth, and we sold it for thirty-five thousand. So we did an assignment fee. We just sold that contract to somebody else, and um, actually that was in Hilo. And that was like two acres of land for like thirty-five grand, which is super cheap now in uh, in Hilo. And so, kind of wish you kept it. 
but somebody else came and they went and built a house on it and so forth. We weren't just ready. We weren't ready for that. But it was a quick way to make some money and a quick way to make a quick side hustle. And if you, Christmas is coming up, it's that easy to do, guys. You need those contracts or whatever. Um, we're starting an education program. We'll have a lot of those contracts and stuff ready for you guys. So um, that's a quick way to find a deal and with wholesaling. And that's a simple, simple way. You can also go on to Facebook Marketplace, obviously, and see stuff and start communicating with people on there. You can go walk around, take a whiteboard piece of paper and write, we buy houses cash, put your phone number on there. Uh, we've done that extensively, making routes and having people hang signs for us and all that kind of fun stuff. We've done a lot of those great stuff. Um, uh, th those are, these are all really free and low cost ways to do it. Um, next is to start talking to realtors, start networking with realtors you know. Just let them know you're in the market, what you're trying to do. Um, they might know and understand and start sending you deals. So um, you do got to stay on them, you know, and you let them know and provide benefits to them why they should work with you. You know, really sell yourself. You know, don't just be on the new guy. Say, hey, you know, I have a team uh, behind you or uh, if you have an education program, what we did is use that education program as um, some templates of stuff I've done because uh, technically I was just going to copy that. I did copy that education program's templates. Um, I copied their layouts and so forth, all the things they used on flips. Um, um, but then you, another, then sorry, the next steps also would be to you can also cold call and cold calling is pretty in intense you know you're you're going to get a list of buyers you can get a list anywhere you can go in the phone book if you want to get a list and just call people um, you can pay PropStream is a great place that you get a lot of this software you can go into PropStream you can circle an area pull a list of people skip trace that list meaning you're going to get all their phone numbers contacts um, emails and then you're going to call them and see if they want to sell their house. Um, it, it really just starts, the best way to start is just to try it. You know, don't get too into the technology of it all and having the right softwares and the right everything. The best way to learn is just to do. Um, you know, and, and then once you have that information about these buyers, you can also do text blasting to them. You can email blast them. You can do uh, postcards. We did a lot of postcards at the beginning um, and just tried it out. We try out all kinds of marketing. Um, there's other forms of marketing you can do. Um, you know, of course, social media marketing, uh, Google marketing, um, all different forms of different marketing to people to sell their house. Either one, uh, hot leads or cold leads. So either they're calling you or you're calling them. You know, you honestly, it's better to, when they're calling you because they're they're already wanting to sell their house. So now you're just trying to find a solution for them. And we can get into some of the sales tricks later on. But uh, really, the trick, not even a trick to selling, is just to be genuinely, to be a real human being, try to help them, and just have a deep conversation with people. Have a human to human conversation. You know when you're reading from a script as we have some interns that read from scripts um, it sounds too too fake it's too forced 
you know, you just want to have a general conversation. People longer to keep somebody on the phone, honestly, the more chance you'll better to sell them at anything, you know, whatever you're selling. So, you know, you can definitely uh, learn the sales tricks. And it's a hard industry to start cold calling, you know, it's a hard way to start, but you don't have to go down that route, you know, the, there's easier routes sometimes. At, for years, I'll be honest with you guys, for years, I was finding plenty of deals from just working with realtors and through some a couple other sites here and there, auctions, courtroom steps, and, um, you know, doing stuff here and there, other places. I had more than enough deals coming in that I never felt like I needed to do more. Um, because I had enough coming in you know we were doing up to 20 a year at the time and I was fine you know it was plenty for me to do I didn't feel like I needed to push all these different marketing as we are doing now but now we're trying to scale to 90 a year and just to let you light on 90 years is about a million dollars of property so that's about buying 90 million of property a year which is gonna be a feat but I think we can push and do more um, but that is kind of the simplicity of finding a deal and it's a lot harder than it seems and um, the second part of it all would be to financing finding a deal and financing is definitely the two hardest things so once you find a deal and you may be asking should I find the money first and then go get the deal because I'm worried about money as you guys probably are right now I'm worried about finding the money how do I find uh, the money I need to get money I can't do nothing without money and I know that feeling because I thought that was my biggest dilemma but I didn't realize the biggest dilemma is finding the deal as soon as you find a deal the money will come and that's how it is if your deal is good enough people will invest if your deal is good enough um, people will want to be a part of that deal um, you can you, know, you can wholesale it you could partner with somebody JV it with somebody um, you have so much more options to do than to just be worrying and looking about money. Uh, if a deal's good enough, you'll find investors. Uh, the way to fund a deal is, uh, back in the day, it used to be very hard. You, hard money lenders, I think where first loans were at 12% or 13, 12 or 14%, two points. Um, and they wouldn't lend to you unless you had deals under your belt. Uh, but this is 2014, 15. 16 these hard money lenders are very difficult to work with um, there's few of them and um, they kind of want to work with you unless you had you know deals under your belt you knew what you're doing and uh, I get it they want to have that security um, so then you got to work with these hard money lenders and there are a diamond dozen nowadays just google hard money lenders and and uh, um, you'll find a bunch uh, yes if you need a referral I can refer you guys um, some of my go-to's have always been Civic, Civic's a big one, Anchor, uh, Lending One, Lending Home, uh, uh, they're called Kiabi now, um, Finances of America, um, uh, Temple View, um, uh, who else I'm thinking, these are all lenders I've worked with, I've worked with a lot of hard money lenders. Uh, there's Vantage, um, we are hard money lenders and uh, we love to help you guys on the loan. We're really uh, flexible and creative and we have a great, great, uh, easy platform to work with us. So if you guys need a hard money loan, uh, check us out. And then how do you get fund? How do you find the rest of the deals? Hard money lenders, uh, we, we only give uh, about you know, 75, 80%. It depends on the deal. 
you still have to come up with the rest. We want you to have skin in the game. We want um, you to have skin in the game, you know, just in case. So you are part of the deal. Um, so how do you find that? There's numerous different ways you can find it. Friends and family, you can get, um, you know, have a HELOC on your house or find investors to partner with or investors to lend money to you with a, with a set interest rate. Um, there's numerous different ways to uh, fund a deal and find money. And worst case, you can't fund it, you can't find it, go partner with a big flipper, partner with an expert in your market, partner with us if it's a good deal. And um, I always say making zero or making half of a deal, which one, you know, choose one, take your time. So I partnered on my first deal and it just gave me that security of working with somebody. I had to partner with somebody because I couldn't get a loan because you needed to have uh, deals on your belt. Um, so I partnered with somebody and it just gave me that security, it gave me a, a comfort blanket, it gave me, um, uh, uh, felt very secure in that risk. Our first flip was 700,000 purchase, so I was very scared. You know, it was a big uh, number to me at the time. 700,000 is a lot of dollar bills. And uh, we put, uh, we budgeted 120, we ended up like 150, so we were pretty good on budget. Um, and then we sold, we were gonna sell at 950, we ended up selling for like a million 20, I think it was. So um, when I was all said and done, I think we made about 90,000, which is great. Um, you know, I was very happy with that and it was a great f first flip for us. Um, and uh, it was exciting to be in that process. Your first flip, your first one, is kind of like popping your cherry, honestly. It's kind of like opening your eyes up to the whole process, the whole step-by-step. -step. And either you're gonna like it and, and, and go for more or you're gonna really hate it because stress is a big part of it all, the factor of of money in general from paying out to uh, you know, contractors, uh, the flow of money, um, and I'll talk some high-level stuff later for people who want to scale their business about the flow of money, how to manage that well, and uh, the the not just the flow of money, but uh, when you get paid. So you don't get paid until you know nine months later till you sell that house. So getting used to that lifestyle is very different as well, you know, making that change in your lifestyle of having no money for a while and all of a sudden having a lot of money and being disciplined in, in that new lifestyle, you know, being disciplined is uh, very important. Um, so get the hard money, you flip the house. So the middle part of that we, we didn't touch on was getting a um, construction uh, contractor. You need to first figure out your rehab budget and the best way to do that is to either walk with a contractor. We have a spreadsheet where you can go line by item, line by item through the property and and make a scope of work. You know, the roof is gonna cost this much, um, you know, the flooring is this much. Basically on our spreadsheet, it, you just plug in yes or no and uh, some square footages and it'll give you an average cost. And so once you get that cost, either by going with a contractor or yourself having some kind of tools there's apps out there, guys. There's plenty of stuff if you really, really want to look into it uh, to make a rehab budget or just bring a contractor with you. Bring three, get three different quotes, especially when you get it locked up. You, you do want to get quotes then. Um, or what you, ultimately what we do is we generally know how much a property should cost. So, you know, we're pretty, 
um, precise on that, that number now. So we will find a number and then go find the contractor and make that number work. So say you have a project of 120000 that's your budget, then you will go find a contractor to make that 120000 work or be closer to it or be under it. Um, you know, if that contractor says no, 150000 you say, okay, thank you, you know, and find another. It's really um, work to be done, but we often want the easiest way of just the first guy we talk to or, you know, we don't want to call around and do all that, but this is what it is. It's a job. It's, a, it's why we make so much is because we do a lot of this hard due diligence work that people don't want to do. Um, and it takes that. It takes that hard work. So you're going to call multiple people and get multiple prices and keep calling and tell you. Uh, we've had times when we couldn't find a contract and we just kept calling and finally found one, you know, um, thinking that we couldn't find one. Um, so then you find the construction guy and hopefully find a good one. You want to check out some of his work he's done. You want to hear his background. I like the smaller guys, the smaller crews, um, the guys that can do everything. You can try and sub it out yourself having uh, different uh, traits all in in there. You know, definitely um, very harder to do, but it's, it's, it's a lot easier just to hire one crew and have that whole crew do the whole thing. Um, and maybe get an electrician and plumber separately. And that's that's what I recommend. That's the easiest way to do it. Um, it's hard when you got a if you get just a a painter and then you have a, a mud uh, guy who who can do tape and mud, and then you have um, you know a tile setter and all these different trades, um, which is great. But then you're trying to manage all of that trades, and one guy can't work because the other guy. Compared to you just have a, a three-man crew that can do it all, um, definitely is a lot easier um, than trying to sub it all around. Um, so yeah, find a good crew, make sure to stay on budget, have some good contracts in place, make sure you define your scope of work, define uh, your time frame of it, make define, um, you know, talk about everything, and just have a good guy you can trust, you know, um, that's not going to hopefully screw you over. And don't pay a contractor ahead of time, never pay them in front, because often what happens is you they're on to another project and they're paying for their guys to do other work. Um, and that's where your money's going. Um, because they're trying to juggle their business as well. And it's just a hard, it's a hard uh, com relationship to really define because they want to make the most money and you want the least you know, amount of money, of course. So it's a it's a fine balance of what works for both of you guys, you know, where they can make money as well as you you can make money. So yeah, then you get the construction guy, and then um, after it's all said and done and nice, um, you'll stage a property. I recommend staging the property. Uh, it helps really give it character and give it bone, especially you spend you know you spend a hundred thousand dollars on a property. What's two three grand of staging? You know, um, going to really affect you. It really helps, I think give property um, the vision of what it should look like and vision of, of what it should sell for. And, you know, I'm trying to get, you know, top dollar for our property. So um, if, you know, two or three grand could help me get 10, 20 grand more, um, I will do it, you know. Um, and it just gives you a quality project, helps you sell. So I'm a big fan of staging. It used to be not a real popular thing, but now it's um, definitely 
popular thing. And if you don't want to do it, maybe negotiate with your realtor. And then after that, you want professional pictures. You want to have a, a professional somebody take your pictures. And normally your realtor does that. Your realtor have professional pictures and maybe even a, vi a video or some drone stuff or 3D Matterports, depending on the high end or the scale of that property. You know, if it's a two, three million dollar property, you want all of the above. You know, you want that high end video, you want a Matterport, you want um, some really professional quality pictures. Um, you know, all that's gonna play into it really big to help you sell that property and get a good uh, sales of it. Um, and then yeah, and then you hopefully get the right buyer. And this is where it gets hard is because you can't control the sale of the property. You know, we've had deals right now that go through three, four different escrows and we can't sell it because of um, the different escrow and so forth uh, falling out or whatever, it, you know, people not qualifying for loans, um, you know, or whatever happens. We've had many properties where they fall out of escrow and they go back in and fall out and go back in. It's the name of the game. Um, and then, yeah, you finally sell it and you go and celebrate your win. You go and celebrate that sale because believe me, it's worth it to celebrate that. I just want to take a quick second and if you're enjoying our content, please subscribe below. I love it if you guys can leave us a review or a comment or let me know what you guys thought. I love honest feedback and I love hearing what you guys think. So now for this segment, let's dive on to the investor insight. And what we do is, if you haven't seen yet, anyone who asks a question, post questions on our social, go to our YouTube. Um, and ask questions because we'll take that question and dive on into them. So today we got a long question um, and we're gonna we're gonna try our best to answer this question. It's a long one and so let's let's hear it out. So this lady is, she sounds very uh, knows what she's doing. Um, I'm looking for a little advice on a situation that I have uh, that has presented itself. Not knowing who to turn to to, to this, I thought of you. I hope you don't mind. I met an investor in Mississippi who's looking to purchase a building in New Orleans near the French quarters. There's a 15 room and a two pen penthouse suite. She's going to turn it into an Airbnb uh, and wants to bring us on and our knowledge to set it up and become a super host with our super host status and experience to manage and do what we do best in marketing it for her. Um, she will be employing housekeepers, security, and maintenance, and we've run the numbers and it all looks good. My question is, what percentage should I be asking for to do this? We are thinking it will be, it will, we will be bringing in somewhere in about a million dollars in revenue. So what's your thoughts? Um, thank you so much for your time, Mahalo. Um, so it's a big question because there's a lot going on. Just basically, um, they're talking about partnerships on a deal right now. What can you bring to the table and what are they going to bring to the table? And that's the ultimate question. Who, big one, is where's the money coming from? Who is bringing that money to the table? So whenever you're partnering with somebody, definitely take into account who's bringing that money today. Are they finding investors? Are they able to come up with that money through their network of people? You know, that's a big role to play in a deal, um, a huge role to play in a deal. So if that person can come up with money and come up with funding that whole deal, you know, what would you, would, would that be worth to you? Um, you know, if, if that is not part of your deal, you're just doing the management, the marketing, 
um, you know, what percentage do you think that is worth towards a deal? Um, you know, there's different percentages, obviously, you can get up with it. And the best way to think about it is sometimes is to think about the profits. So what do you think the profits would be? And then backtrack that out to what percentage you think you should make. And, um, you know, for that service that you're doing, say you are just doing the management side of it and just doing, so what would be a good amount that you would want to make or, um, or see what the total amount is of the deal and you can see what your amount is. Um, generally, I, what I do on all my deals, I'm a 50-50 guy. So I'm just different. I'm, I'm a 50-50 guy because uh, normally I fund all the deals and I can do most of the work I can really manage and I honestly do a lot more than 50%. I probably do probably 80% of all the deals I'm on to even more. Um, but I would rather be the guy over delivering and doing more than my share than being the guy that's not. Um, so we make sure uh, that we you know, pull our own share of the load basically. So figure it out that way, backtrack it and think of it differently that how much would you be comfortable making and what percentage would that be of that profit? You know, if you are truly partners on this deal, you should know what this deal was gonna make and produce and so forth. Um, and think of it that way. And you know, everything's always up for negotiation on anything. So um, if you know that person, your partner, can't uh, you know, do it with you, you know, then they can look elsewhere too. So you know, it depends whose deal is it to, who's the one negotiating, he who found a deal, you know, that's important. Um, he who has a gold makes the rules. So, you know, that's a, a thing, but just on top of my head, I don't know, of 15, 25%. Um, but if you are bringing in uh, the money to the deal, um, or being bringing some of the money into the deal, then negotiate more, but just for, um, the, the management of it all, normally an Airbnb and so forth, uh, they charge 15 to 25% to just manage Airbnbs in general. Um, that's what the kind of the norm in the industry is. If it's just a property management, it's normally uh, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10% is what a property manager would charge. Airbnb host management um, charge from 15 to 25% um, normally. Um, so, if that's what you guys are going to be doing, basically managing it, managing the B&Bs, you know, and everything's negotiable. And maybe start high and come down lower. You can always uh, bring the, you can always go come down. So, so in this segment, let's talk about the deal highlight of the week. Let's talk about the deal. We've been talking about so much about this Janesville property, and we're super excited and very thankful for all the people. I just got off a few phone calls for investors people trying to raise it's a large range for us but I more want to talk about um, the vehicles that we're offering so with investing with us and our deals we offer a really um, safe vehicle in the sense that we back we're backed by real estate so when people invest with us we're backing their investment by real estate you know real estate is probably one of the safest vehicles out there um, you know compared to a stock or a um, you know, crypto, whatever, that who knows where those go. Um, we have high rate returns. And then on, also on this particular project, the Janesville project, uh, we have huge, huge tax savings. We're doing a webinar tomorrow, uh, Thursday. So this probably 
will be airing and already missed the webinar. So we're doing a webinar and we're going to do another webinar talking about um, different uh, tax savings and how why this property can give people. So basically we'll be talking about the structure of how we will have tax savings for the, our specific property coming up. Um, and it's pretty exciting to share because I've been getting this doing it myself and getting all these great tax savings with these cost segregation studies that uh, now we're able to give that off to different investors who um, invest with us through these large, large properties. So we're good at finding these large deals, we're good at managing them and taking care of and, and doing what we do. Um, and that's what we bring to the table and then we bring investors that understand that and they get a good tax uh, return and good return on their money. They're also making, a, if you do the tax strategy way, um, the, either you get a dollar for dollar tax credit. So if you press 100,000, you get 100,000 in tax credits back, as well as an 8% return on your money. And or option two, it would just to be a straight 12% return on your money. So we have two different ways to invest on this deal. We've always done the 12% normal straight 12% return, no tax credit, no nothing. Now on this one, we've had the opportunity to um, do tax credits. They sh it's a longer deal, should take about a year to two, uh, it, it could take longer. We're gonna refinance it when the market's right. Uh, we can refinance in a year, we can, and it just depends on where we're at in a year with this market. And so that's the only kind of uh, thing we don't know. I'm not a crystal ball expert, I don't predict markets, I just, buy deals at really great discounts and know that we, uh, what we can do with properties. So stay tuned for that and thank you guys for who have invested with us as well. So thank you guys for staying tuned with us today and just learning about the steps of uh, flipping a house. Um, if you guys have not, please follow us on Indar Hawaii on our social media on every platform you can think of. It's I-N-D-A-R Hawaii, H-A-W-A-I-I. And you can go on to LinkedIn and Twitter and TikTok and um, Instagram and um, Be, Be Real Now. Our YouTube is Indar Hawaii and LinkedIn. You know We're on all the platforms and we love just talking and communicating with you guys. So um, I take a lot of time and energy to communicate with you guys. So please go on there and just like and comment on our stuff so I can give more value back to you guys because I really want to gain, give value back to you guys. There's enough abundance in this world that I can share all you know, that I possibly can to help you guys in life. So please go on there and just like and follow. And I really appreciate it when you guys do, obviously, because you know, it makes me feel good and makes you feel good. So I will go back and follow and like you too, of course. So thank you guys for tuning in to this day and please subscribe and have a great day. Aloha.